Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And like I was telling our people uh, in KTTH, which is the station up in Seattle, we did the little three-minute startup there that doesn't air on any other station. Why? I don't know. These are some of the mysteries of radio. But if this show isn't good, and if you're bored and you're not entertained, are you not entertained? Right? Like Gladiator. Uh, if you're not entertained, I got no excuses because this is actually the second run. First show we did, I was all happy. I was like, man, that's a good show. Uh, producer called me back and he goes, hey, audio is horrible. What's going on? Well, apparently, we didn't have the microphone plugged in. So, <laughs> so we're, getting, we're getting another bite at the apple. So if this isn't good, I got no excuses for you. And like I was joking with people on KTTH, so I, was, I actually thought like it was a heck of a show too. Anyway, got plenty to discuss today and have an interview coming up. And uh, interview is a little shorter than normal. It's only a half hour this week. And that is because we had about an hour of technical difficulties before we could record. We got pinched for time and it really bummed me out because I was interviewing Robert Schiller, the Nobel Prize winner, um, who was a bit of a hero of mine. I started tracking his work um, at the beginning of the financial crisis, actually at the end of 2006. And um, started following his work for a variety of different reasons. Like I was telling the the people on KTTH, the guys won a Nobel Prize, right? Uh, intellect second to none. Um, you know, one of the preeminent and go-to economists really in the world. And uh, yet at the same time, he always injects a common man and a level of common sense. You know, sometimes you hear these economists talk and it's not what they're saying is wrong. It's just so academic that it's not applicable. Right. So some of the things they say might be correct, but there's just a giant gap. And I think this is true in any profession. Right. It's not that you're listening to the academic and saying you're wrong. You're just looking at them and going, well, that's only like a part of the story, though. Right. What was always what was always so valuable about reading Schiller is his academic chops are on par and exceed ninety nine percent of his colleagues, which is evidence with the Nobel Prize. And the amount of times he's been published, the amount of books he's been, you know, just he's a, he's a big deal. He's, he's got quite the bona fides. Um, but he injects that common man, that level of common sense into it. You know, so you don't feel like you're sitting there listening. We all know the types, right? Where you're looking into, hey, listen, I, I, it's clear you know a lot, right? It's clear that you're an intelligent individual. Yet at the same time, I just feel like I'm reading text from a textbook and real life is more nuanced, right? For instance, you know, you hear economists talk about the economy and it's like, well, inflation is going to 3.6 and the unemployment rate is going to top it. And you're like, the, the, only an academic would be that precise. It's a joke, right? Uh, and he's just really good at injecting that level of common sense in there. So uh, really cool experience. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, he wasn't as can't, the, the only other pullback was is. He wasn't as candid as I'd like him to be. I think part of that is because his name is so big in the industry and, you know, academics don't want to step on each other's toes. I think they're also, I think that most well-known economists to some degree are, you know, defend the Fed, right? Um, Especially Schiller because his notoriety is so, you know, I don't think any other members of the FOMC have won Nobel prizes, right? They all, they all know who he is. So I think he's I think he's hesitant to bag on them. Um, and so you could tell that a lot of the questions I asked him, he was very measured. So the other thing is I'd ask you to if you're listening when you're listening to that interview, really try to read between the lines, really try to tell him, because I think if you listen to it, um, I think that you can hear him basically alluding to, yes, this inflation stuff is a problem. And no, it's not transitory, right? That, that was the gist I got. And I, I, you'll hear me in the interview try to pull stuff out of him, trying to get him to be. But you could just tell he was very careful, and I understand that. But still, what a privilege, and he couldn't be a nicer guy. Um, 
which is always fun when you meet somebody that you followed for so long, you know, that's a hero. You're like, is he a jerk? The guy sat there and worked through an hour of technical difficulties. I'm waiting at any moment for him to go, I just can't do this, you know. But anyway, he was, it, it was a really neat experience, and I'm hoping we get a chance to interview him again where we can get into things a little bit more. But anyway, it's treat, and I think it's, you know, there are really no greater voices in the world of economics, um, certainly with his track record. And I think it's a valuable piece of information to give us some clarity about where things are going. So anyway, now let's go on to the market update. What's going on? Guys, I will just continue to say this. Uh, another tough week. I'm not surprised. I think I still think that we're overdue for a bear market rally here. The reason you're not seeing it, though, now this is my opinion. The reason you've not seen a bounce right now, guys, it really goes back. Oh, you know what I forgot to? I forgot to welcome back our friends in Phoenix. And... I, you know, <laughs> our friends in Phoenix probably thought, hey, where did that guy, you know, well, A, I don't think that they were sitting there by their radios every Saturday when the show came out, but um, uh, got a call and it, it was kind of odd because, and again, for those of you that don't know, I live in Seattle. The show's aired on two stations up in Seattle. We're also air in Portland and we also air in down in Phoenix. And uh, <clears throat> it was, it was odd because you know, we usually get about 150 people that sign up to come to our virtual road shows. And then every week we get probably somewhere, you know, just over the course of the weekend, somewhere between 12 to 20 calls of people that want to call us and, and talk about things. And um, yeah, I just see nothing out of Phoenix for a while. And that's odd for us because Phoenix was actually the fastest growing market for us. So we, it, it, it was coming up to maturity faster than any, than Seattle had either radio station. And it was progressing even faster than Portland had. And then all of a sudden everything just dropped like a rock. And I'm like, man, that's odd. What's, what's going on with Phoenix? Well, apparently there was some kind of snafu. Some mistake was made. Our show had not aired for seven weeks in Phoenix, which is why I'm sure, I, I'm sure those people just felt like lost sheep in the wilderness, right? The, what are we going to do without Know Your Risk Radio? What are we going to do? I'm sure it wasn't that dramatic. Anyway, so this is our first. So welcome back to the folks in the Valley. Big fan. It's a tough loss your sons took. Like I was saying in the previous show, I was, I was pulling for you guys. They become my adopted basketball team after the Sonics left town, and I've, our some of our friends and colleagues down there have been nice enough to take me to some games and and put me in way better seats than I deserve. But anyway, I, I was I was pulling for you guys, and it was a bummer to see you exit out of the playoffs. But anyway, hopefully the fact that no your risk radio is back on the air that will that will. Right, that will cushion some of that, some of that blow. Uh, anyway, so so welcome back to our friends in Phoenix, and let's get into the market update. But like I was saying, um, you know, it, technically speaking, you should be looking at a bear market rally here at some point. You should be looking at a bounce. Um, you pull up a chart, and this thing has just been like an elevator to hell, right? Just going straight down. Um, and I actually think it makes sense. And uh, the reason why I make it say, say, uh, make it or the reason why I think it makes sense is why I was saying a couple weeks back that th these, these market conditions remind me a lot of the scene in margin call where the head of the bank says, you know, you got to dance while there's music playing, but right now I hear nothing, just silence. Um, in terms of markets, when you still have the five, five horsemen of the apocalypse still running wild and they still are. And that is number one crude and the dollar, both above a hundred dollars at the same time. Okay, rising interest rates, rising inflation, economic contraction. People are like, how do you know the economy is contracting? I don't. We pulled back 1.4% in the first quarter. I would think we're going to be right around zero, if not negative, in the second quarter. What do I base that on? Uh, go look at the earnings misses and revenue misses with Target and, cost, or, or, or Target and Walmart. Right? We're a consumer-driven economy. When you see those things getting hit, that's not a very good sign. And it makes perfect sense. Right when when the inflationary costs all around you, food, fuel, baby formula, all these things are going up in price. Consumers don't have as much money to spend. Duh, right? And then the fifth horseman of the apocalypse is the Federal Reserve, guys. And an ex Federal Reserve member came out today. Stephen Roach uh, gave a extensive interview and just said, "Listen, guys, I, I am laughing at these people talking about transitory inflation. Inflation's going to be here for a while. This is stagflation." And it's going to be much longer and, and hard to get rid of than people think. And he goes, the Fed is way behind the curve. Now, this is an ex-Federal Reserve Board member. Okay, so this is an insider. And I think that the words you heard coming out of Powell's mouth 
really echo that sentiment because Powell is as resolute and as calcitrant as I have heard a head of the Federal Reserve, period. Meaning part of me has been shocked at the level of veracity that Powell, I don't even know if veracity is the right word, but but the intensity and and the clear the, the clearness, right, the, of, of the message that he's broadcasting, which is, you know, the beatings are going to continue until morale improves. You can tell they are very concerned about inflation. Now, we could make all of these different ju- guesses about why they are. I, I just don't think that that matters, right? Because my whole point and what we've been talking about for the last month, guys, is that, look, you can get an odd day here or there, but as long as those five horsemen of the apocalypse are running, it's just an environment where it's virtually impossible for the market to mount any type of sustained bounce, right? Especially as rates continue higher. And it's really tough environment to get any real economic growth. And then when you look at the market, right, the market is still trading at about a 21 price to earnings ratio, which is about 25 to 30% above its long-term average, Okay. And those are based on record earnings that were achieved last year. Well, what are we starting to see? Earnings hits to stalwarts, right? Target, Walmart. Tesla's going to miss their marks too because of the shutdown of the Shanghai plant. Um, You're just going to keep seeing this. And so this goes back to, like I said, when I was talking about margin call, which is You know, I'm expecting a bear market rally at some point, but the fact that we haven't got one and this has just been a one-way street, it makes sense. Bottom line, valuations have to come down and it's not just now because earnings or or interest rates are going up, it's because earnings are dropping. And that's another big thing, guys. You need to be very, very careful about bottom fishing here because stocks that look cheap right now, my feeling is in eight to 12 months, they're going to look a lot cheaper. And what do I mean by that? You're like, oh man, that thing's been trading at a 45 price to earnings ratio. Now it's at an 18. Be careful, guys, because if those earnings take a hit, that stock can drop 20% and its PE ratio can go up at the same time. Okay, I've seen that happen many times. So what you have to remember when we're looking at valuations on stocks, those earnings numbers reflect, that PE ratio reflects today's price and the average earnings over the previous 12 quarters, right? So you're not really going to get a clear picture of what a company's price to earnings ratio or what their earnings really like in this inflationary environment until the beginning of next year when you see all four quarters this year priced in because you had record earnings last year. And when rates are going up, and earnings are going down at the same time. It's just, and then you throw in crude above a hundred. Then you throw the fact that the Fed is now in handcuffs. Then you throw in the fact that inflation is at forty-year high and globe and growth is contracting, really around the world. I, it's just, I again, I'm not surprised you haven't seen a bounce. You put those things together, markets have to come down. Another one too, guys. We've been on the radio now for seven years talking about this. The 60-40 portfolio, not only is it not doing its job, maybe there's maybe there's an exception. I'm not aware of one. But since the 60-40 portfolio really became a part of the investment zeitgeist, which was, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, really. I mean, you know, maybe people were using it prior to that, but it really kind of gained steam then. I don't think we've ever seen a year where the market was off any significant level and the 60-40 portfolio was down more than the market. That is the case today. Average 60-40, and it depends on which funds, ETFs you're using. But the average 60-40 portfolio today, remember, 40% in bonds is still down in excess of about 21, 22% on average. That's what we've been seeing. So uh, still really, still really ugly. Um, You know, given the light, given what we're looking at, what I think makes a lot of sense, especially when you're looking at the NASDAQ. And remember, the reason we're queuing on the NASDAQ is because the NASDAQ is home to the six largest companies on the S&P 500, right? So the NASDAQ kind of reminds me of the Greek wedding. You know, it's like uh, the man might be the head of the family, but the woman is the neck, right? She controls where the head is. The the S&P might be the, you know, might be the index of favor. And it's the index that we all watch. It's the best gauge of the overall market. 
But the NASDAQ, because of the weight it has at the top of the S&P 500, it's going to dictate the direction most for, you know, nine days out of 10. It's going to direct and dictate the, the direction of the S&P 500. And when I look at the NASDAQ, you've got a long-term trend support line that got touched in the, in, in the COVID lows. So in March of 2020, you bounced right off that. I think it was like right around 75, 7,800 on the NASDAQ was kind of the low watermark. I'm not saying it's going there, but when you step back and look at the chart, it, it that looks like it would go there. And and the crazy thing is it makes a lot of sense. That's another 30% pullback or so on the S, on the NASDAQ from here. Why does it make sense? Because it basically takes you back to that COVID low or or you know that 8500 level even on the NASDAQ takes you back to those pre-COVID levels. And that makes a lot of sense, right? All of the things that contributed to that COVID run-up, especially in tech, they're all gone, right? The stimulus is gone. The Fed is no longer at the party. I, I Look, markets can do whatever they want. I just tell you, I firmly believe that this thing ain't done. And everybody's like, Zach, you didn't think it was done back in COVID. That's true. I didn't. I've been wrong before. <laughs> I'll be wrong again. Um, but the biggest difference to me, guys, is that the, the what what engendered what created what what seeded that rally back then it's not in play federal reserve can't do that now maybe and i don't even know why the federal government would either i you know maybe the federal government could announce a stimulus package or something i i don't think they want to do that either though and that and that's the problem any form of stimulus is, drives inflation even higher and that's kind of this thing where we've talked about the fed being painted into a corner I mean, basically, you got to pick it right now. It's like, hey, your economy is going to roll over. You're going to have to go through a recession. Markets are going to get hit hard. And it's going to happen either through inflation running too wild or it's going to happen due to economic contraction. Pick your poison. You got to pick one. So at this point, the Fed seems pretty, you know, pretty locked and loaded. They seem pretty committed to their guns that they're going to keep raising rates. And I don't think that you should ignore them. Um, it's a different ball game. And then, like I said, the, on the earnings story, you're watching the retailers get hit. 60, 40, what else do we uh, – another one, guys. Being a value investor, um, I, I go look at Costco. I think what happened to Costco this week is it provides a really good teachable moment and a really good lesson for everybody. I think Costco is one of the best companies out there uh, on all different levels, the way they treat their employees. I love going there. I think Kirkland Signature is like one of the most trusted brands of all time. We were in Hawaii recently, and we brought home some like – the special Hawaiian, you know, macadamia nuts. The Kirkland Signature ones are better. The ones that we brought home for Hawaii, they're good. The Costco Kirkland Signature ones are even better. Um, I mean, and let's be honest too. I mean, home to the most spectacular chicken ever made, right? Um, love it. And we had to sell it right around this level, right around, I think it was right around 400 bucks just because it got too expensive. And I watched it go all the way up to 550, 560, I think is where it hit. And I'm kicking myself, but I just said, you know, just be patient. It'll come back to you. And, you know, this year, this, this week alone, it went from basically 500 to 400. So that's a 20% dive in a single week, right? Don't overpay for things, guys. It can be really frustrating and it can make you feel stupid. But if you'll take a page from Warren Buffett, if you will wait, the valuations will come back to you almost every time. There's a, there's a few exceptions to that rule, but we shouldn't be, right? We shouldn't base our behavior, our actions on the exception. Value matters and it, and it matters big time again. And it's a big part of risk management. You know, our risk, our value portfolio, our momentum portfolio is still, what is it down? 6% on the year values flat. I think we're actually down 0.2% on the year, which irritates the heck out of me. Oil was up again today and our energy stocks got hit and we're kind of bouncing around in that range down to up to, we've just been kind of going back and forth like a pinball. Um, but, but one of the big reasons, you know, we've been short tech, long energy for most of the year. That's a big part of why we're even on the year, at least in the value portfolio. Momentum's only down like six, I think, but it's just been sitting in cash, um, which is doing its job, right? It's beating the market. It's managing risk, uh, doing all that kind of stuff. But, you know, one of the reasons that we haven't got hit this year is because we're paying attention to valuations, Right. It doesn't. I mean, we all I think we most of us grab the idea that the lower price you pay for any asset, the more it's going to make you as an investment. Right. I think we all get that. 
But the other benefit is, too, is when things start getting hit, when you own things at the right price or you own things cheap, they just don't have as much room to get smacked. Right? There just isn't as much fluff there. But no, I, I just I, I think you're in a situation where, again, I'll just keep saying it. I don't think you can get a sustained rally in this market until one of those five horsemen go, returns to the barn. Um, it's just, and we've been saying it, and you can doubt me all you want, and, and it's not about me making prognostications. It's just sitting back going, hey, guys, when these factors are lined up like this, A, it makes economic growth, like I was saying earlier, it makes economic growth virtually impossible. And B, when the economy is contracting and interest rates are going up and earnings are dropping, that's not a very good environment for stocks. So if you're out there waiting for a rebound or something like that or thinking this is another blip like COVID, guys, it's just not. It's not. This is the real deal. This is the real deal. And I'm, I'm not trying to paranoia. I'm not trying to tell you I think it's the beginning of the Great Depression or anything like that. But I think it is very, very positive. And quite honestly, it would make perfect sense for the NASDAQ to bleed another 20, 25%, for the S&P to drop another 20, 25%. It just, it would make sense. And with the drop you're getting in earnings, that wouldn't make that cheap of a market, right? So if you look at it, if we're still trading at a 21 price to earnings on the S&P 500 right now, long-term average is 20 is 15.8, right? That's 25 to 30% downside, right? That's the long-term normal valuation on the S&P 500. So, I mean, if you think we're close to the bottom, A, I don't think so. And B, um, I mean... Just step back and look at the numbers. I mean, I think it makes perfect sense. Again, earnings are dropping. Economy is contracting. Interest rates going up. Stock prices have to come down. And the Fed ain't Fed ain't moving. And if you're getting killed, and, I, and I'll say it again, guys, and I've been saying it for seven years, and I've been warning people this was going to happen with bonds, and not because I'm a genius, just because I sat and looked and interest rates were zero. I'll continue to say it. If you're getting shellacked in bonds right now, that is reason enough for you to find somewhere else. And I'm not saying we're the only game in town. But I am still listening to people flooding in here because we're bringing in clients left and right. And I love all the clients that have joined us recently, but I also warned them, you know, don't call us when you're down 20 or 30. Now, we're going to help you regardless, but I just don't want to see people get smoked. But if your advisor is still telling you, well, you got to ride with it, you got to stick with it, guys... Unless they are prepared to underwrite your your retirement, I don't care if they're your friend. I don't care if they're your relative. You need to get out of these portfolios. I've been telling you nonstop. And I think everybody is holding on to the hope, well, you know, it looked really dark at the end of COVID. Yeah, yeah, but this is nothing like it. The Federal Reserve, who drove that recovery, is looking at you and saying, we are going in the opposite direction. You can ignore them if you want to. I don't think it's a good idea. It's certainly isn't a good idea to be in bonds. So if you're sitting in a portfolio like that, call us 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. We will show you how we are limiting our clients' losses, increasing their upside potential while lowering their fees. There's a better way. Do not wait to lose another 25%. I do think it's only a matter of time. Okay? There's a better way. You don't have to do this. We were down 6% during COVID. Our clients are flat this year. We were up over 15% last year, their entire portfolios. Our stock portfolios are now outperforming the S&P straight up net of fees for the last four years. It, risk management means better returns, guys. It doesn't mean we're hiding under a bed. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Anyway, we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break. Stick with us. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? ironically bonds really why because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates it's likely to create some serious inflation and inflation crushes bonds if your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds you may need a bond replacement strategy now get our free booklet common sense investing to learn about bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss but still seek market gains our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost call now for your free 
free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. Okay, so we've talked about this on the show before, but I had a little back and forth with somebody. And if you've listened to this show for a while now, you know that I I really value plain speaking. You know, I'm a big believer that if somebody really understands a topic, that they should be able to explain it to a five-year-old. Um, I'm really not into all the esoteric jargon that makes you sound so smart. And, right? Like, it's just, man, just give me, the, give me the straight scoop, right? Just give it to me straight. Make it simple. Make, make, it, make it accessible. And in that vein, I saw some legislation passed the other day uh, about anti-price gouging. Maybe it didn't get passed. Maybe it got passed one of the chambers of the House or whatever. I do think it's funny since that piece of legislation came down, oil is up. And I just want to, I, I want to break this down for anybody out there that is buying into this price gouging narrative. And then also just, just the misinformation in general. Look, I, I really approach that whole misinformation thing from a very neutral point, meaning I don't really care what party affiliation you have. If you're lying, I'm going to call it out. Right. And I know that I ticked some conservative people off on our radio shows because I was calling Donald Trump out for some of his blatant lies. And I'm not saying Trump's a bad person. I'm not saying Biden's a bad person. I'm just saying if I hear somebody saying something that's not true, I'm not going to sit there and agree with them because I have political affiliation with them. If I hear any politician or any elected official spewing complete untruths, I'm going to attack it. And the one that just got me this week, and I'll get, to, I'll get to what I was saying about misinformation, but the one that got me this week was the tweet about if you want to get inflation under control, help us pass taxes on the wealthy. Okay, guys, there are a lot of things, especially in the world of finance, that are subjective. There are a lot of things in the world of economics that are subjective. There are a lot of things that aren't. Okay, regardless of your political affiliation, It is really hard to take an administration seriously that is talking about the damages of misinformation and simultaneously puts out a tweet like that. That is an absolute fabrication, okay? it Any person that actually has any basis or background in economics saw that and started laughing or blushing, one of the two. It is patently ridiculous, and I'll tell you why. Wealthy people do not drive inflation. There aren't enough of them, right? They're the 1%. They're the 1%. They don't buy enough stuff. When a wealthy guy makes 50 million one year and 80 million the next year, he doesn't spend an extra $30 million, right? When, when, when a family of four goes from making a hundred grand a year to 125 grand a year, I will bet you that their spending will probably go up 15 to 25%. Right? So their marginal propensity to consume goes up in direct line with their income. But right when you get up to about 350 to 400,000 in general, That's where that relationship to what you make and what you spend starts falling off. Is that because wealthy people are more disciplined? No, it's because they've got a heck of a lot more money. Right? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, if you're making 5 million a year, you got to work to spend 5 million bucks. It's a lot easier to save 40% of your income when you're making 5 million bucks a year. So on the face of it, it's just a ridiculous statement. Second of all, there's absolutely zero correlation. Now, had he had Biden said we need to increase taxes on Americans to get inflation under control, I think that there are a lot better ways to go about getting inflation under control. But if you were to bump everybody's income tax up by five to seven percent, that would take a chunk out of inflation. But I mean, it would also be devastating because you're increasing these people's you know, income taxes at the same time, their cost of living is going up at the fastest pace in 40 years. So that's not on the table. 
But it's so ridiculous to assert that taxing wealthy is going to help out with the inflation. There's just there, it, it's it's just a complete fabrication. There is no connection. And if there was any connection to be made, and and I'm not saying there is, there's not. But if anything, you could make the argument that maybe on the margins, a tax cut to the wealthy may be inflationary. Why do I say that? Well, because people don't like to pay taxes. Look at Amazon. What do they do to avoid paying taxes? CapEx. They invest more. Right? You make an investment, you write it off. So maybe if you taxed wealthy people, you might increase inflation. And there's really no data that shows that either. I'm just telling you, it's complete garbage. The other one that is complete garbage and the real gist of this, and we've talked about this before, but I want to go into a little bit deeper. I want to give you guys, I want to arm you guys with the information so you know, but also so you can credibly and calmly educate people when you hear this, because people really need to know. And inflation is really one of these topics in investing that everybody has an opinion on. And very few people understand how really nuanced it is. So a friend of mine posted a thing on Twitter today where they were like, you know, I'm not generally for this whole price gouging thing, but it does seem really odd to me that some of these energy companies, and I think they were pointing to ExxonMobil in particular, that if they're not price gouging, how are they making record profits? Okay, well, first of all, let's look at the industry. When you produce and sell a commodity like oil or steel or copper or natural gas or whatever, you're a commodity producer. You are what we call in economics and finance in a free market. You are a price taker, meaning like everybody else, you take your goods to the market and you sell them at the market price. And unless you're OPEC and even OPEC has showed that they can't control it, right? It's the greatest consortium of all time in terms of energy markets, but even they've showed that they don't have control over it. If OPEC can't fix the price, how in the world can ExxonMobil or Chevron price gouge? They can't. It's a ridiculous assertion. And if they could price gouge, I guarantee you they would have done it and not let oil go to negative 37 in 2020. Everybody goes, oh, the evil fossil fuel companies. Look, guys, if you want to just believe a narrative because it's convenient and it fits your political lens, be my guest. I'm not going to talk you out of it. Okay, but I'm just going to present the facts the way they are. They have no control over the price of oil and they are not gouging. Okay, now... People that do a little more research go, well, Zach, how do you explain oil at 110, but diesel priced as if oil is at 250 or 260 a barrel? That is true. Why is that? Because of refinery issues. The refineries we have here in the United States were not designed to process our crude. They were designed to process basically, you know, some South American crude, mainly Middle Eastern crude and Russian crude. And those Middle Eastern and Russian crude is a heavier crude and it's much better for making distillates like diesel. Okay, so it's a refinery issue and a supply issue because of the war in Ukraine and Russia is contributing to that factor. And then, like I said, just the refinery issue here in general. It's not a price gouging thing. They're not, and how do you know it's not? Because if somebody's price gouging, right, the gas station across the street's going to go, hey, I'll undercut them by five cents. Everybody's going to come here instead. It, the market's just too big. There's too many, there's too many participants. It would be the greatest collusion and lie of all time. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's a patently ridiculous statement. So why are they making record profits? That's a very easy thing to explain too. People are like, well, they're making record profits because oil's at record highs. Oil's not at record highs. Oil's at the same level it was in one in 2014, and these companies are making way more profit. What's happening? Well, first and foremost, a lot of these companies produce both oil and natural gas. And if you hear that siren in the background, I am fine. <laughs> like you, I'm sure you guys were just worried sick, right? Um, but but a lot of them are dual producers. They're putting out oil and nat gas. Look at what's going on with nat gas. Guys, nat gas was such dead weight. Remember when you'd see the pictures of the pumps out there in the Bakken or the wellheads, right? And they got the flame coming out the top. What that flame was, was them burning the natural gas off. Why were they burning it off? Because it was cheaper to burn it off than it was to transport it. That's how low nat gas was in terms of price. Now nat gas is sitting at eight bucks a cubic foot or however they measure it. Is it a million cubic feet or whatever? I can't remember how they, I don't think it's a million cubic feet. But anyway, there's a bunch of different ways to measure nat gas, and, and I don't pretend to understand it all. But anyway, nat gas has basically gone up like 4X plus, okay? So now all of a sudden, this thing that basically was just a nuisance for these guys, they're selling it and making massive profits on it. 
right? It was like literally like finding a hidden cash machine on your balance sheet, okay? So that really is contributing. Nat gas and oil are both at 15-year highs since the financial crisis, so that's contributing. But the other big contributor, guys, is unlike in 2014 when oil prices were here and these companies are still way more profitable, they're not drilling. Why aren't they drilling? Because oil isn't high enough to justify the expense. That's the crazy part, right? Because the cost structure for oil has gone up. The companies that want to drill are even having a really tough time getting drill bits and enough steel and pipe and all. They can't even get the stuff. And if they get it, it's way more expensive. What does that do to the cost of oil? It pushes it up. So, you know, pre-COVID, you were looking at a break-even in the Bakken and the Marcellus Shale and a lot of the shale stuff. You were looking at break-evens right around 65 bucks. You're probably right around 80 to 85 now. And these guys are all looking at it going, I don't want to increase production. We're only at 110. We increase production. We're going to go right back below our break-even. Who wants to do that? So they're selling oil and nat gas at 15-year highs to survive two different crashes in oil from 2014 and COVID year. These guys have cleaned up their balance sheets, so they've got cleaner balance sheets with less debt than probably at any point in the last 30 years. That helps the earnings. And then the other side of it, they're not drilling. They're not investing. So all of that money is dropping right to the bottom line. That's why they're posting record profits. It's not because they're price gouging. And, and I, I understand the attractiveness and the ease at which to look at a very complex system and just go, oh, it's the evil oil companies. You know, a lot of people that say that about the evil fossil fuel companies are people that are really passionate about the environment. Do you know that there's no industry on earth that has dedicated and invested more money to green energy than fossil fuel companies have? I've said that on the show many times. So it's nothing new. But I, I just... You know, when we run into these half-truths or these complete outright lies, it just doesn't help us. And, and, and we shouldn't either buy into a lie or not buy into a lie based on our political affiliation. Truth is good. Dishonesty is bad. It's that simple. And I don't care what letter you have next to your name. But, I mean, you start selling your goods at the highest prices they've been at in 15 to 20 years with the cleanest balance sheet you've had in 15 to 20 years and – your CapEx is a fraction of what it's been over the last 20 years, your earnings are going to look really good. And all of these reasons are why we were loading up on energy stocks. Right? So I'm not making an assertion. I'm saying that we saw all of these dynamics, you know, a year and a half ago. And that's why we were pumping it on this this, this station saying, hey, you got to make sure you've got enough of an allocation to energy. So anyway, so j- just don't believe the lies, guys. And 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 if you can, that is the facts. And when you hear people talking about these things, just go, hey, you know, just take the opportunity. You know, I just think that we all need to take the opportunity to gently and kindly tell people, no, it's not price gouging, man. It's that's not the way global markets work. If we had a U.S. companies here price gouging, OPEC would slide right underneath us and take all the business. I mean, do you you think they're going to collude and work with us? I mean, it's just a ridiculous statement. It's people that have it. Well, it's people that have no understanding about how that how that world works, or it's people that have nefarious intent that are purposefully being dishonest to drive their own agenda, right? And that isn't useful to anybody. The truth is useful. The truth is cleansing, right? So, anyway, um, we got to take a quick break. But as always, guys, if if you understand the need for this type of thought, if you would like to be, you know, we haven't blown it out this year. It's not like we've made a bunch of money while the market's falling, but our risk management processes have got our average clients right around flat to slightly up on the year. That's how a retirement portfolio should work. You shouldn't be in bonds. You're getting killed, right? If you want that type of thinking, if you want that type of risk management, if you want an advisor that is actually delivering a better result rather than just slapping you into the market and telling you to enjoy the ride and charging you a fee to do it, there's a better way. Call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. We'll just walk you right through how we do things, guys. We'll show you the performance. We'll show you how we're beating the market over the last four years, net of fees, how we're going to lower your fees, drastically reduce your risk, and increase your upside at the same time. It's not magic. It's not snake oil. Call us, 866-779-RISK. We educate you. We walk you through it. Build a portfolio proposal for you. Give it to you. You take it with you. It's yours. Use yours to keep.
You don't want to call us again, ever talk again? Good. I mean, not good. I'd love to have you, but, but you know, we're not going to chase you down. Just educate yourself. There's a better way. You don't have to be out there right now taking the shellacking. You don't have to. So give us a call. Anyway, got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll do a little short introduction, and then we'll have a little bit of our interview with Robert Schiller on. And as always, we will air the rest of the interview on the podcast. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Dory Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right, before we get to the interview, I just wanted, I want to touch on something because I want you to know I'm not beating up on other financial advisors. You guys have heard me. I'm not going to beat up on any other firms. The only other firm I guess I've beaten up on is ARK Invest. And it wasn't, there's nothing against them. They're not an advisory firm. They're a money management firm, which is different. I just think they're reckless, which is why their fund is down 77% or something like that over the last 14 months. Um, and like I said, the reason we were beating up on them for the last two years is because you just knew it was coming. And one of my guys asked me the other day, he's like, how'd you know it was coming? I go, you're running a long-only stock portfolio, and you're invested in the most expensive, most popularly owned retail stocks. If you go up 158%, 150% over the course of 14 months, you're going to be looking at a 65 to 75% drawdown at some point in the not-too-distant future. What goes up must come down. It's really that simple. Uh, and it's the plight of the, but, but the, so I'm not beating up on firms, but I'm just saying the plight of the modern financial advisor. Why is your 60, 40 portfolio down more than the market? It's because your bonds are down 15 to 20%. We saw this coming. I've been on the radio telling people get out of bonds for seven years. We've been getting people out of bonds for the last 12 years. Why interest rates are at zero. There's no upside. Our real estate portfolio combined with our fixed indexed annuity that's insured against loss with no fee, those have averaged better than 7, 7% together over that period of time. And this year combined, they're up 1.5%. They were up about 8% last year. Over that same period of time, bonds are down 20% plus. There's a better way. And the plight of the modern financial advisor, the reason your financial advisor hasn't switched that or had that conversation with you is he doesn't know. He's been told to and taught how to sell mutual funds and sell financial products. He's not a money manager. He's not a bad guy. He's not dishonest. He doesn't know. He trusts the smarter people and the CFAs at the bank, and he just does what they tell him to do. So if you think he's going to switch gears, if you think he's going to see this problem, if you're believing him, because he's probably telling you, no, we think the market's going to bounce back. Hey, look, it, like I said earlier, if that guy is willing to underwrite your financial retirement, if your portfolio blows up, stick with him. But if he's not going to underwrite your financial portfolio, you've been listening to me tell you that this exact thing was going to happen. Okay? And it wasn't because we have a crystal ball. It's because it's common sense. Interest rates are at zero. Markets at record high valuations. The Fed left the party. Inflation's going up. Rates are going up. Expensive stocks are going to fall and bonds are going to get hammered. It's, it's like dropping a baseball. It's like saying that I'm a wizard because I drop a baseball and I'm like, watch, this thing's going to hit the ground. There is no thought or expertise going into your portfolio build out. And if that is acceptable to you, then just take your money and stick it in Vanguard and don't pay a fee. Right? Vanguard actually delivers you value because it gets you on that same ride, but you don't pay a fee. 
What are you paying a fee for? There's a better way. Call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. Download and subscribe to the podcast at knowyourriskradio.com. Our interview with Dr. Schiller for a few minutes, and then you're going to have to listen to the remainder of it on the podcast. Have a All right, thank you guys so much for joining us today. And, and uh, this is my favorite part of the segment. This is a really special treat today. First and foremost, this is our first Nobel laureate on the on the show and and a gentleman whose work I've been following for a very long time so I'm trying I'm going to try not to sound like I know him and weird him out like he's got some friend he never knew of but been following his work since business school and uh the the list of the list of stuff is quite long first of all a Nobel prize awarded in 2013 for the pricing of uh for equity pricing and, and efficient market theory uh, several books, Fishing for Fools, Narrative Economics. Um, uh, one of my favorites that brought me to his work, Irrational Exuberance, started his education career in Kalamazoo College and then transferred to Michigan and did his postgraduate work at MIT. A man that really needs no introduction in this world, Professor Robert Schiller, and, and what a treat to have you with us. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> well, hey, what a what a perfect time uh, to read. When we were trying to schedule this interview, you know, we knew things were going on. But as it got closer, I thought, wow, what a what a perfect time and what a treat to be able to pick your brain. So if, if you wouldn't mind, I would like to talk about the Cape ratio. But before we get to that, I've been a big follower of the Cape and, and uh, looking at it and have made it part of our process. Uh, but before we get to that, I really want to pick your brain about the state of affairs currently in economics. Um, you and I joked before we got on the air that this is a bit of a carnival for an economist right now. Um, so the first question I think that is every on everybody's mind is the inflation issue that we're currently looking at. Is this is this transitory as, as the, the word of the year has yeah. been? Uh, do you think this is longer lasting? What are you seeing on the inflation front? Is this transitory or is it going to be with us for a while in your view? Well, yeah, part of it depends on what the monetary authority does. Uh, and they've indicated they, they expect to raise interest rates. So that's very much the environment right now. Uh, so the competing investment, competing to the stock market of, of bonds, government bonds, uh, which I still think are perfectly safe in terms of default. Um, uh, but th- their interest rate is starting to go up. Uh, and uh, that, that uh, means that if the alternative is bonds, it's starting to look more attractive. But at the same time, the stock market is going, has been going down this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the stock market looks like a better investment than it used to also so it doesn't leave me with a very clear direction about whether to get in or out of the stock market it's a it's a it's it's a uh there's overpricing in a lot of areas and it's it's being corrected or maybe (laughs) being corrected now it is getting corrected, and I'm starting to hear a lot of people talk about valuations on the stock market and saying that it's it, it, that valuations are getting attractive. And I I have a hard time arguing against that in terms of you know where they were on a, on a relative basis. But when you look, one of the things that I've learned is that uh, valuations that appear like they're getting cheap can continue to get significantly cheaper if the earnings side of the equation is dropping. So one of the things that we're looking at, Professor, is what will the we've seen some interesting retail results with Target and Walmart in the last couple of days, some other retail retailers selling off in sympathy. It really looks like inflation is starting to take a bite out of consumer spending. Um, do you think these do you think that the, the market is getting a lot cheaper or or? Are we are we going to be looking at really tough sledding as it relates to earnings going forward? I know this is kind of your wheelhouse. You've done a lot of work on this because yeah. um, I believe I, I I didn't check recently, but the Cape ratio is still pretty high, is it not? As of uh, this morning, it was thirty point six. Okay, which is yeah. quite high by historical standard still, but not as high as it was uh, just recently when it uh, 
we got up to over 38. Uh, not a record, but quite high by historical standards. And, and when was the record on the Cape? It was in 1999-2000, uh, right okay. at the turn of the year. Okay. I call it the millennium bubble yeah. because uh, that may not be a significant part of it, but the celebration for the new millennium seemed to coincide with a lot of optimism for investing, especially tech investing. There were all sorts of things in the newspapers about, uh, about artificial intelligence and the like, and it kind of spooked us. It, it, it there's uh history doesn't always repeat itself but it, it, and this is a question to you but from my point of view there's a lot of things recently you know and, and not as much lately because a lot of those high flying names have been pounded pretty hard but there seems to be a lot of echoes from that area and you know with the crypto yeah. w- would you agree with that does it remind you somewhat of 99 or if you could take this segment of time what do you think a good analog yeah. for for this 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 period has been uh, yeah, so uh, I'm not sure that I would use the word irrational exuberance right now. Uh, it's <laughs> it's more fear-driven, I think. Uh, so uh, I, I think that uh, it, it's hard to forecast markets, not just because they have some, that this, it's competitive, but also because the drivers of the market are so comp- complex in our culture and our uh, all right guys due to time constraints unfortunately we got to cut it off there um if you'd like to hear the remainder of it which i think you should it's a nobel laureate he kind of knows what he's talking about you can hear the rest of the episode at knowyourriskradio.com you can download it on itunes on any other podcast app just google know your risk radio podcast and that'll get you anyway we'll see you next week have a great weekend this is the know your risk radio podcast download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.